Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. So I did not expect this morning to feel so vindicated about what I talked about last night. Because I didn't even realize it. I was just thinking about things heating up with the trade war. I've been following the rivalry between the United States and China, the potential Thucydides trap. Excuse me for using the name of an ancient Greek. This whole idea of a rising power meets an established power, and there's usually war and ill feeling. And and yet I ended the show last night hoping that there are people in China finding ways to express the truth. That as much as the Chinese government tries to suppress the truth, just rewrite history, not react to it. I, saying all this, I did not realize that today is the 30th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. And in particular, the one image everybody, I think, should remember is the tank man. And so as I'm scrolling through social media feeds this morning, my good friends, uh, Sean Malone in particular, he invited me to FECON last year. I wish I could go to FECON this year, but same weekend as my brother's wedding and best man, to my brother comes before hanging out with a lot of great liberty-minded people. But it, 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 what Sean shared today is uh, it's a short film simply called Tank Man. And it is uh, moving. It isn't a big spectacle. It is really putting a face to the Tank Man. Now, it is... I believe, to a degree, fiction. Because the tank man, his identity, what happened to him, all this stuff, we don't know. We just don't know. But what this filmmaker did, and let me see real quick his name. I can find it very quickly. And that was going to be my question, is who was Tank Man? Because it, do you say 30 years ago? 30 years ago today. Oh, my gosh. Because I remember it. I mean, that, that's I mean that's one of those, like, JFK, where were you when he got shot type right. moments. I remember the courage that this person had to stand in front of the tank. And then the guy driving the tank, that's what really affected me. He was like, I'll run your ass over. Right. And then he moved, and he was like, and the tank kept turning. And yeah, he kept and trying he to get in front of it. He wouldn't just run 
him over. Right. Because he saw the humanity in this person, and his passion and his desire and his beliefs led him to do whatever he was doing. He was that passionate about it. And it really, I mean, Joey, it honestly really affected me. Yeah. And I, I still, I, I can still see him. I can see him standing there and moving to the left and moving to the right. Well, the way this film works, and the, the filmmaker's name is Robert Anthony Peters. Um, it, it's only 15 minutes long. It's on my Facebook page. If you just search for Joey Clark, it's on my Facebook page. But if you just search on YouTube, on Facebook, all over social media, wherever you can find videos, search Tank Man Robert Anthony Peters. And the way the film works, uh, to give a bit of the play-by-play, is it begins with what you know looks like a, a Chinese family, but it's it's not clear exactly you know where this is. But it begins with a father telling his son a story about the ants who were saving themselves from an inferno, and the ants on the outside they all balled together. The ants on the outside knew they're sacrificing themselves. But it helped, and I can show you real quick here. You can see it. It's pictures, and it's a father talking to a son. And that's the picture of the ants, you know, sacrificing themselves. But the ants on the inside right. of the ball would, you know, be protected. And, you know, it's just a, a humble home sort of scenery. Something you'd see, you know, you work plumbing jobs or whatever. And you'd, the same type of place you'd see, a, a electric fan running, some dirty dishes in the sink. It's a lot of close-up shots. It's a very human film. And it turns out, as this guy who's telling his son this story about the ants who sacrifice themselves to protect the others, he goes about his day. But you can tell there's like a television screen on the background. There's something going on. And his wife's nervous about him leaving. And it's not done with a great amount of dialogue. This is why I'm not playing it on air. You really need to watch it, folks. Again, I'm talking about Tank Man. Um, not just the event, but it's a short film that just came out today, worth 15 minutes of your time. Um, and so it essentially progresses and goes through this human face, just following this one individual guy. And eventually, the film that was made today cuts and flows seamlessly into the famous news coverage you've just talked about, Southernwood. Mm-hmm. So it, what it did is it put a human face on Tank Man. It, it showed his common humanity and what he went through and what maybe could have drive, driven somebody to do that. To just go, I'm to hell with this. I don't want to give it away. Watch the movie, folks, uh, on this 30th anniversary of Tiananmen Square. And it, it reminds me how precious our, uh, our freedoms really should be. You know, I, we get worked up plenty on these airwaves about politics and we'll get worked up here in a minute about dodgeball but i'm really worried looking at a lot of what's going on with antitrust talk but not just breaking up big tech companies uh it's controlling the internet in general when did controlling speech uh, become really a thing like on these airwaves for instance i can pretty much say what i want but I, you know, work for people. And if I say things that are beyond the pale, they might, I say all sorts of things I'm sure my bosses disagree with. But if I say something really, you know, profane or out there, 
honestly, they could lose their money and create a lot of backlash. Yeah, that's right. Then I, mean, I could you, be fired. You, you can't break laws. Right. I mean, there are certain rules and regulations for all of you out there in radio land. There are certain words that can't be said. And there are certain... And now, as far as opinions, anything can be said as far as Pretty opinion much. as long as you're not vulgar or nasty. Right. And uh, so, yeah, there are things that could get you in trouble... As far as but it's legally when you, when you engage with the venue, and I guess this is some of what they're going to talk about when it comes to regulating places like Facebook and Twitter and antitrust action against Google. But all of that makes me really worried in this sense that, yes, Google, Facebook, Facebook in particular, Twitter to a great degree as well, have all engaged in, I would say, vague uh, you know, unclear sanctions against people. Good and way it, to put it, it. It has been against conservative or right-wing thinkers, but I know people also on the left and or like libertarian anarchists, and they've also been purged and banned for, with no clear explanation. So it's not just people on the right. It's I think the the correct way to think about this, what these companies are doing, is any sort of alternative point of view they are getting rid of. Anything that questions too much. Because, yes, people like, say, James Woods gets kicked off Twitter. This Hollywood actor is very conservative or very right-wing. And so they kick him off, and they don't give what seems to be much of an explanation. You know, I've listened to some interviews recently with the Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey. Uh, he's been on, for instance, Joe Rogan's show several times. And what they're claiming they're trying to do is stop any sort of abusive bullying behavior. It's not trying to censor any sort of speech. I wonder, listening to Jack Dorsey, either he's a liar or he's sort of, he, like he started this great idea. It's become so big that he doesn't really know what to do at this point because, and this is what's making me nervous, you're getting people from the right and the left, especially people in power, politicians in D.C., in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, who are, again, pushing out this idea that we need to do something about these companies and control the public square. See, now he has made a difference. You have made a difference when you piss off both sides. That's when you have actually said something and made a difference. Now, I'm not saying it's for the good or that it's for the bad. But you have made a difference when you make both sides angry. Yes. You know, if it's just one side that's angry at you, then... Eh. But that's when I think you get the worst policy decisions. Especially but when why why should Joe Joey why should policy have anything to do with it should anything it said should not on freaking social media it shouldn't but that's what people are calling for we're in a big fight we and this is where I'm I'm a little frustrated the conversation starts with. The rules put down by Twitter or Facebook or Google, or I talked about Spotify months ago, where they were going to get rid of certain artists or whatever uh, for hateful lyrics or content. Uh, and it's like, who defines hate? Because I could think of stuff that's hateful, sure. I mean, it's like just sticking to music. There are whole genres of music that are explicitly hateful. Right. That's their deal. They want to talk about sort of the dark side of the human experience. Should that not be expressed? 
But it moves from a conversation of the rules are vague and maybe they got a political agenda or they're just looking out for the bottom line, a business rule conversation to a broader conversation. This is where I get really nervous. And you hear from politicians and their followers. They're controlling the discourse. They're controlling the discourse. They're controlling the conversation. Mm-hmm. Now, you get the extreme of the government in China is controlling the conversation. Right, Russia right now is not happy that people in Russia are able to access HBO's Chernobyl and learn about history in the Soviet Union. But the idea, at least in the West, and especially in the United States of America, is the conversation is not for the government to control. All sorts of people in private enterprise, in their own communities, and different groups, some people with more power than others, can say whatever they damn well please. But it gets me to the point of why do we have free speech? And beyond just speech and thought and religion, why do we have freedom at all? It is for the person who is most hateful. It is for the person that 99% of the people disagree with what that 1% said. You need free speech for that 1% that everybody hates. That's, that's the remedy is more speech because that brings it out. The guy that says there is no such thing as God, there is nothing out there. Right. We just accidentally happen. The earth is flat. That's the people whose yes. speech needs to be protected. Because as wrong as it may be, they need to have the right to talk. And it, it also reinforces good ideas. So say the 100 people in a room, 99 people believe in God. The one guy says God does not exist. Should they lynch him? Should they... Uh, tie his mouth shut, you know, tape his mouth shut? Or should they go, actually, let's listen to this guy. Let's have a conversation with this guy because maybe we will persuade him from his perspective. But even if we don't persuade him from his very, very wrong perspective, it will reinforce our beliefs and teach us how to understand why we believe this in the first place. And that's where I would go to your second side of your point is... Okay, you say there's no God. Sure, there's a God. My, my, my parents told me, told me there was a God. Uh, right. My grandparents told me I was there was a God. Uh, you know, there, my, my great-grandparents, they believed in God. Why do you believe what you believe in? Yes. Can you defend, and if, you know, using God as an example, in Scripture, there's... Uh, in first or second Peter, I can't remember which one it is. Peter himself says, "Have an apologia." Hmm. Apologia yeah. is a Greek word which means have an argument, right. not like fight argument, but have a uh, a dialogue. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not just a dialogue; it's having a, a defense hmm. of your belief. Right. Is what apologia means. He says. Have an apologia. Know what you believe in. And when you're questioned on something that you believe vehemently in, and someone is on the opposite side, don't get angry. Don't call them stupid. Don't tell them they're ignorant and they don't know. 
be able to form a defense. That's the second part of that scripture that Peter brought up. He says, have an apologia. Have, and that's tied in that word. Have a defense of what you believe in. Know what you believe in. And the only and way... And when you're questioned, yes. that's when it brings up, can you defend what you believe in? And it's not necessarily for the sake of being having a sharp sword when it comes time to do battle in defense of your ideas. Right. It is to actually reinforce what you believe in the first place. If it's just a game of telephone, a game of tradition, and you are just carrying on, it could be political beliefs, it could be whatever it is, and you're just carrying it on because that's the way it's always been done. That's incredibly fragile. Because at the first you know, heavy headwind, massive headwind, you're going to get knocked over pretty quickly. So you need to have a strong, yeah. deep foundation, a deep root system, and also you need the law there. You need the law to remain neutral in a way. That freedom is not just for the people with the correct opinion or the moral opinion. Or with the righteous opinion, the most freedom, common opinion. You're right. Freedom is for the most abhorrent forms of speech and ideas there are. And I'll give you an example. I, I ran across this this morning as well. I had a good morning. You might have heard the play "A Man for All Seasons." It's about uh, Sir Thomas More, Saint Thomas More, and he wouldn't recognize the King of England as the head of the church. And so he's there's <laughs> my kind of guy. But, but you don't, I don't need know him. you don't need to know the whole play or scene or whatever. You don't even know need to know who they are. You just need to hear this dialogue. He's being pushed by let's call him a prosecutor. And this prosecutor, Roper, says, So now you'd give the devil the benefit of law. And that's what we're talking about here, folks. We're talking about yes, freedom. Not of just of speech, but of belief and of action is given to the devil himself. Even if you could see the devil falling like lightning from heaven to earth, you still grant him that law so you can understand. Well, actually, let's continue. This is why you grant the devil the law. So now you'd give the devil benefit of law. And more answers, yes. What would you do? Cut a great road through the law? To get after the devil? I'd cut down every law in England to do that. Oh. And when the last law was down, and the devil turned round on you, where would you hide, Roper? The law's all being flat. This country's planted thick with laws from coast to coast. Man's laws, not God's laws. And if you cut them down, and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? Yes, I'd give the devil the benefit of the law for my own safety's sake. And the idea is there can be evil staring you right in front of the face. There can, it can be the most abhorrent evil in the world. Or it could be, oh, this tech company's got a little too much power. And I don't like how they regulate speech on their platforms. Or they're making too much money. Or controlling search engines too much. Blah, 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 blah. There's all sorts of devils in this world. But if you say, well, we're going to get rid of the law and cut down the law for this one particular devil because he's so bad. 
then what do you do when the devil, to repeat this, what do you do when the devil turns around and goes, oh, look, you got rid of all the laws. What's going to save you now from being called the devil yourself? The reason we have the law is because, and laws in the liberal tradition, the classical liberal tradition, that word's been bastardized, unfortunately. The reason we have these laws is that defining what's hateful, defining what's true, defining what's good and right in the correct course of action for individuals and communities and for nations is not easy. If we could just read a book and learn a few things in a classroom and know what's right in every aspect of the world, life would be much simpler. But it's not simple. They're basic bedrock principles, but they don't give you the whole road map of how to live your life, let alone the life of a community or a nation. It takes argument. It takes disagreement. It takes that freedom, and with that freedom will come a whole big batch of terrible ideas that we should not mm-hmm. listen to or we should argue against. Sure. But occasionally what happens is out of that big batch of terrible, bad ideas... There will be one idea that we go, oh, that's terrible, that's awful. And then you listen to the person and go, well, maybe it's not so terrible. You eventually say, well, now, wait a minute. That's not a hundred. That kind of makes sense. And you start thinking about it. Right. And saying, how can I co-opt this into my belief? How can we put these together and and bring you in and make you a part of the system that I'm trying to install or enact or well, enforce. And, and you have the law because without it, it's just a struggle of all against all. It's just the biggest and maddest win. Well, without liberty, the world is a heavy lift. It is a battle of all against all. I mean, I, I wrote something a while back, kind of just came to me. It was this idea of, like, all the people that make society work, all your people that work with their hands, uh, every single person that might inspire you and, and write something that makes you want to wake up in the morning and go for greater and bigger things, your, your loved ones, whether it's your children or your wife or your husband or your brother or your sister or your parents. Imagine them all pushing this big rock up the hill. And they're not all good. Some of them want to inspire you to violence and to take out the enemy, take out the devil himself. And you're rolling this rock uphill. And the way I understood it in my mind is that at the top of the hill, you've got these clever philosophers sipping wine. And in their primate pride, they have all the answers. But then everybody who they've ignored gets to the top. Mm -hmm. And then the rock rolls back downhill again and we begin again. And it's without liberty. It's just a str- might makes right. Who's got the power? And, but, and, and that's exactly what you end up boiling down to without law. And that, I think that's one of the, I wouldn't say fallacies, but that's one of the deals with the that I have with the libertarians is without law. That's what happens. The strongest wins. You go back to caveman error. Biggest dude gets the prettiest girl because you just go and and beat the other dudes up. But I I have to correct you. And you you go ahead. Libertarians believe in law. 
Uh, very strong laws, but but Joey, but, but you, when the law goes beyond its purpose to preserve liberty, then what happens is that struggle, the caveman that beats you over the head to get the girl. He not only does it just because he can do it; he can now say the law is on my side. Well, I that's mean, exactly what China's doing. That's exactly what the Soviet Union did and what Russia continues to do. It's what Saudi Arabia does. It's what North Korea does. And to a degree, because I think we have a lot of laws that go beyond preserving human liberty, it's what we argue over every day. If our laws simply were there to preserve liberty, that'd be one thing. But what we, I think, argue over a lot in this country is how should power be used to bring about the society I want beyond just protecting people's liberty. And so no wonder if you have a different culture, a different worldview, and the other people vying for power, it's a hell of a fight. There's a lot at stake. So I think we should find a way to preserve our freedoms and our rights, because when the law goes beyond that purpose, then that might-makes-right struggle now gets enshrined in law and institutions that are very difficult to change. Well, and that's where I was going, and I wasn't necessarily accusing you personally of this, but there's so many libertarians that go all the way to anarchy, Mm -hmm. and that's, you can't live in that type of society. You have to have those laws. There have to be laws that restrain human beings, and I mean, for me personally, I mean, it goes back to humans are inherently evil and i mean they're going to go as far as they can go they're going to do as much as they can do they have to have some form of restraint and government not like the united states of Mm -hmm. america government but government as a whole in any form that's what restrains people and says no you can't go that far you can't just because you're bigger, stronger, taller, you can't go, you know, take Joey's land, right. Clay. You have to, you know, buy it from him. Well, or there we're in complete agreement. There, but the, the trick throughout history... But was, you know what I'm saying. Yes. You know that in the libertarian... But even, but even some of these most hard libertarian anarchists, the, even those guys would agree with you completely. There need to be laws in place and means of enforcing those laws, but... Here's the riddle throughout most of history that those anarchists have put put to people. It's like you set up a government to defend Mm -hmm. people, and then the government becomes those people that you were trying to defend against. That's exactly, that's the conundrum. Yes. I think is the word Greg uses in the morning. And so the idea... That you run into. The idea is, okay, no, have... Law is not something the president says or the legislature says or even the judge says, though that can be worked out. No, law is, is, comes before government. The whole idea of natural law, the freedom of speech that we've been talking about tonight, the freedom of religion, that article, the, is very important, is that it exists before any government is instituted. And it exists in terms of a logical concept. And where do you where do you come up with the natural law from? I mean, where, where I mean, where do, I mean, what human, defines it? Is uh, human is, reason is reflecting the, no, on no, our hold condition? On, hold on. Yeah. Is and I mean to get into like the worst, absolute worst way to define this is the right of a woman mm-hmm. to control her body and kill a baby that's inside of her mm-hmm. is. 
the appropriate right there? Is well, it's, uh, the right of me to kill anyone that comes on my property for any reason? Well, to my point, I'll answer you this way. So, no, I, to your point, I'll answer you this way. Those sorts of arguments, those sorts of disagreements should ideally be decided by people coming to arguments, apologia. That it shouldn't be the province of who has the most power who decides that. Which people? Right. It's, well, it should be through conversation and argument. And by the way, folks who keep calling, I'm going to put you on hold. I don't have a call screener. If you want to talk on air, I'm going to put you on hold and wait. We'll come to you. <laughs> okay, Baron. Good God. I think Baron's rough. Keep <laughs> calling in and hanging up, calling in and hanging up. No, but it's, no, it's not a matter what of I was trying to get who has to. power. It should be a matter of what's the best argument. What's the most logical concept, the most sound concept? But and see, that's not clear. It's not clear. Are you, are you not getting into a democracy there, though? Well, I think democracy is majority vote. It's might makes right by majority will. Exactly. Are you not getting into that point? When, when I have a, one view and you have a different view... No, democracy is uh, kind we, of a compromise on how political power should be used. I'm, I'm talking more... There's two things that kind of unite this country. There's the democratic reaction to, say, monarchs. Instead of the king by divine right or by blood succession or whatever, we're going to have a democratic vote on who rules us for a time. But then there's that whole other aspect, the the aspect that I will fight and die for, which is the Bill of Rights and the inherent liberties. It's a more modern concept of liberty. The ancient concept of liberty is you get a share in how power is used. The more modern concept is, no, we can think about these things using human reason and some, and many would argue, divine revelation and look at the world and look at the human condition and we can come up with things that would make sense, create peace, prosperity, and human flourishing in this world. And it has nothing to do with power and actually most of the recipe calls for restricting the power, whether it's a king, an emperor, a president, or the majority. They cannot, if 99% of people vote to kill one, an innocent man, they do not have the right to do that. Okay, and see, that's where I would go, and you just said it, you just knocked it out of the freaking park. Thank you. It's about restricting power yes. of the government. But but you can there, only do that with ideas. There, uh, there has to be a government in place to restrain to people. To a degree, yes. But... Our job is to restrict that government instead of saying, oh, we need more money. Here, let's pass this tax bill. Uh, you know, uh, we need a uh, roads bill. Sure, yeah. You know, here, let's put tax on gases. And instead of us g- granting them power, we should be restricting their power, and they should restrict my power yes. against... I'm going to take Joey's house right now because I'm taller, bigger, and stronger, and I can take him. The government should say, no, Clay, you're restricted. You can't do that. Yes. That's against the law. Well, and it shouldn't just be, but here's the distinction I'm making. It shouldn't just be government who says that. I mean, for some people, you need government in order to stop them. But what really restrains them is the idea. It is, it's... Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or put in the negative, do not to others as you would have them not 
do to you. Right. That's I, what we're talking about. I mean, technically, your neighbors should come out and stop me if I want to seize yes. your house or your car. It's the it's the idea that actually is the thing we need to preserve, but, the concept, and then the government should hold in, true to that idea. That's right. And how does that idea get bastardized most of the time? It's when governments go beyond that duty to restrict tyranny, and they become tyrannical themselves. But to bring this full circle... You talked about that moment with the tank man, where the guy walks out, and he has, like, grocery bags and different things, and this line of tanks are coming towards him, and he walks right up to him, and the tanks, like, you can see the tank hit the brakes. It, like, you know, jostles a little bit. His humanity took over. And for a moment, that tank operator, whoever that Chinese tank operator was, did not want to run over his fellow man. Exactly. That and it's it's something I I heard I believe it was Christopher Hitchens say. What is the biggest flaw in a design? Like you have the state of the art military weapons and technology. You have this behemoth, this leviathan that's called the Soviet Union. What's the flaw in this state of the art tank? The yeah. tank operator. He has a mind. He has a common humanity, and if you appeal to that mind and common humanity, it doesn't always work. There is evil in this world. There are malevolent tyrants and people that will oppress and destroy you. But most people, if you appeal to their ideas, to their heart, you can make them see that there's no reason you have to do You don't have to do this. And even if you do it, I hope you think about it for the rest of your days that you took me down for doing nothing but standing up for myself as a human being. Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, that, that when I saw it, I saw it live initially, and it still touches me, and I mean, it, I mean, it gives me chill mumps. It brings tears to my eyes. And though many people in China, unfortunately, didn't see it because of the crackdown by the government in China and the Communist Party, you know who did see it? People in Western Europe started broadcasting the hell out of that moment in 1989. Everybody in America saw it. And also, people in the Eastern Bloc and the Soviet Union saw it. And many people credit that moment as a spark that lit all these revolutions that brought down the Iron Curtain. One man. And in the work of millions of others, don't get me wrong, but that one moment... That one man who probably, it might have been the Rosa Parks-like story. I'm just frustrated today. Like, I, I've, maybe I've, I've thought about activism and I've thought about my ideas and my freedom, but today I'm just tired of it. it I'm going to take a stand. And it really is. I mean, that's, that's a great analogy. I mean, that was the Rosa Parks moment. Her freaking feet were hurting. And she yeah. was like, hell no, I ain't getting up and walking to the back of the bus. I mean, that's basically what she said. And she was like, no, I'm sick and tired of having to go to the back of the damn bus. So, and what I'm worrying, I guess, trying to get, I'm worried about a lot of stuff, but I'm trying to boil it down. What I'm worried about, I think, the most is that people are fighting over power, which has always been a part of human history. But in a country as free as ours, instead of fighting over power and who's going to use the power to do the good things we want and take out the devils that we don't like, no, argue the ideas. Argue yeah. the idea is not because you heard it somewhere, but because you know it's right and you can defend it. That's right. It's like shouldn't be playing dodgeball. That's 
Oh, you just crew. you just stole my tease. <laughs> After that serious 40 minutes, folks, we're going to talk about dodgeball next and how it's a representation of oppression or some crap. It'll be fun. Because, you know, we just talked about oppression and systematic yeah, we tyranny. Like, no, and now, we can't be up here fighting and getting all We're not fighting. Upset. We're just talking, man. I, I, my blood pressure's getting up, bro. <laughs> we'll be right back. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. Now, I don't know if you noticed, Southernwood, but I'm feeling the pump today. I can see the veins popping out. I wondered why, when I walked in, that you had those little straps like, uh, That's just, you know, the, the wrestlers. It's just a t-shirt. That ain't straps, baby. I'm just Wait. popping out of my shirt. Well, you, you're you just bulging. I thought you were the ultimate warrior over there <laughs> where you tie on straps because your veins are like bulging out of your arms right now. I'm feeling pretty vascular, and it's all because of Express Fitness. Extremely vascular. What time can you go to Express Fitness, Joey? 24-7. Anytime you want. Once you become a member for a reasonable monthly fee, and it's month to month, you don't have to sign a year-long contract. You get a key fob, access to any Express Fitness 24-7 facility here in the River Region. And how many do they have? Oh, all over the place. I'm going to the one on Zelda Road. There's okay. one in Prattville and Wetumpka and Clanton and Pine Level. All over the place here in the River Region. So if you want to check them out, expressfitness24.com. That's expressfitness, the number, 24.com. Find what location is best for you. You can get a little bit of insight of what it looks like. They have state-of-the-art equipment. I was there this morning, did an upper body workout, get the bench press in, uh, get the shoulder work in, get the curls and the bicep work in, some back work yesterday morning. I mean, it. I, I had a lot of things to do yesterday morning, so I went to the gym very, very early. And got the workout in because you have access 24-7. I was by myself. It was great. Got the earbuds in. Got some good work done. So check them out, folks. It's worth a try for all different fitness levels, different body types. You don't have to be a bodybuilder or doing any sort of CrossFit-style workout, anything like that. No. Whatever you need, it's good to do a little bit of exercise. I will. I swear to you, it's made me feel better. My brother, I got to see him last night. He said, I think you would be depressed if you weren't exercising. Your brother Will? Yeah. It was his birthday yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, so he and his fiance were in town and hung out, drank a few brewskis, and He's had a good time. One day after my wife. Indeed. Yeah. June babies. Yep. It's so sweet. But yeah. Check out Express Fitness 24-7. 24-7, excuse me, and tell them Joey sent you. Joey from the radio. But Fred has been very patient. Fred, thank you for heeding my call to actually hold on the line. How are you this evening? I'm doing well. What's going on tonight, you? Well, I'm just all worked up about freedom, you know. Yeah, you know, it's kind of odd you had this topic tonight. My daughter, I've got a 21-year-old daughter who calls herself part of the LGBTQ community for some reason, I think confusion on her behalf or the flavor of the month. I don't know. Anyway, you know that Mayor Carbon Hill, I guess it was, made that boneheaded comment about 
you know, the only way to change the, the way the world is starting to go is to kill all the gay and abortion people and, the, you know, literally to kill them, right, mm. for them to die out, for you to kill them. And I, I told my daughter, I said, you know, that truly is a, a stupid thing to say, but First Amendment protects it, right? And I tried to have this conversation with her. I, I agree with her 100%. It was a stupid thing to say. Yeah. And she, because I said something about the First Amendment and him having the right to say it, she said I was defending him. No. I was not defending him. Right. But that's not, that, that, is a, that is not an uncommon argument that people have anymore. Just because you say, well, they've got the right to do it, all of a sudden you're now in their camp. Well, and here's what I would I would tell her, Fred, um, that you can create a new law that says you can't say such abhorrent things. But right. then you better believe that person that you want to stop from saying such abhorrent things, you have to assume that that very person will be the one in power eventually and use those laws against you. All right, well, I've, I've said the same thing about, you know, some of the uh, tactics that Congress has used and has used lately. At some point, you know, the other party is going to be in charge, you know, in these these executive orders and whatnot. I'm not getting into a political conversation. Right. But uh, what I told her, she, she brought up Kathy Griffin. And I said, yes. You know, did I think she should have gone to jail for doing what she did? Personally, I did. But I'm not right in that thing. I probably. But what she did, what did happen was the public spoke. Yes, and she lost her career. You know, and, and that's and that's probably what's going to happen to this cat in Carbon Hill, unless all the people that live in Carbon Hill think the way he does, in which case he'll be reelected. But that's that's part of um, uh, capitalism at its base. You know, you let you let the other people decide. You let you let your your contemporaries decide whether you're right or wrong. And but but no, but that's it's such a common thing because you do bring up the First Amendment or the Second Amendment, or you know, all of a sudden you're in their camp and you're not, and you can't. And I, I take this back to not being taught civics in school anymore. You know, they're they're not taught the Bill of Rights and what it means. Well, if freedom is for even the worst among us, right. the most abhorrent views, because you have to assume. You have to assume that any law that goes beyond securing freedom and restricting power will be used against you. Even if it's well-intentioned, you can't foresee it being used against you. It will be. Um, at, at some point, yes. Yeah. And we can't let the most abhorrent views then find a, a seat where it's one thing for a guy to be free to say what he wants. It's another thing for that person to have power and say be <laughs> Stalin or Mao or whatever. And right. ready to force you and rewrite history that oh that well, thing did sure. that awful thing didn't happen to you in Tiananmen Square that was the government now calls it something like the June 4th incident or the political turmoil in the summer of 89 i mean they yeah. call it these very innocuous terms and they even there's a, a woman who now i believe teaches at Harvard who was uh, showing like asking fellow chinese students who had just come to the states like do you know about this stuff and most of them didn't, because it just is not available to be seen. Right. Well, the other thing I explained to her, I said that, that you know, 
the Bill of Rights is easy as long as you agree with them. The difficulty comes in when you have to say it's okay for these people to say these stupid things or do these stupid things because they're protected by the Bill of Rights. However, the public square will at some point uh, uh, remedy the situation just like at the enemy, you know? Right. Uh, the, the, that thing right there changed the world right. that moment. Anyway, I just I just thought it was odd that I had that conversation with my daughter this morning and you had this tonight, so... Well, anyway. I, I appreciate you listening and uh, wish you and your daughter the best. Thanks, buddy. I Thanks, 84. Fred. 84. Yes, what, what, yes, what Freddie calls. What, what, hey, hey, what you want for Christmas, big boy? Uh, <laughs> what a, y'all always refer to the PJ. What does that stand for? Tim Lala, what? Po- police jurisdiction. Oh, I'm yeah, so sorry. Got, got nothing to do with Pent Lala. It the PJ it extends. That's that's a complete. Don't get me on that soapbox. <laughs> I will start beating the walls out of this well, addict let, up here. Don't let Joey's basculate itself go beat the walls, <laughs> and it'll be just on a small building. And by the time he's finished, Hulk <laughs> smash. <Yeah. laughs> All right, smash. thanks, Fred. Yeah, have a good one, Matt. All right, we'll see you, bud. And then here's another thing. Like, actually, the sentiment I think his daughter is expressing, and a lot of people express for good intention, it's now found, um, well, there are a bunch of academic educators in Canada talking about the games. P.E. teachers have kids play in P.E. class. Mm -hmm. And they give one example of a tag. Tag is is one poor singles out a poor participant and slow the slowest child usually is dehumanized as an it mm-hmm. who runs vainly in pursuit of the quicker ones captures the flag is nakedly militaristic british bulldog has obvious jingoistic colonial themes i'm not even sure what british bulldog is i really don't because that's a can is that like thing. red rover red it rover might be since somebody right over but none of the games rouse the passions of reform-minded educational progressives quite like dodgeball. Oh, it's terrible. The team sport in which players throw balls at each other, trying to hit their competitors and banish them to the sidelines of shame. Yes. But th- that's... Dodgeball's awesome! No, and I couldn't stand it when they said, you can't use the traditional rubber dodgeballs, you have to use these foam things. You could barely even throw, and you didn't feel it at all. You hardly knew when you were out. Man, we played wall ball coming up. You played wall yeah, ball? Yeah, I played some wall ball. With tennis ball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do that behind the baseball fields over there at Goodwin. I yeah, used to before we, our game. We, we had to that. stop because one dude got hit in the eye and, like, busted his eyeball out. <laughs> <laughs> and the principal was like, y'all can't do that anymore. Well, and here's the, here's the deal. That sometimes there's such a push for what is a noble idea? You want people to feel in- included. You want people to feel like they're not nope. put and marginalized. I guess Wrong. that's the goal. Wrong. But I'm sorry. There's a certain again. This is to our point of you have to be able to understand how the world is and defend yourself. You can't shelter yourself, whether it's by the means of power. To protect against malevolence, you need to actually learn what it's like, how to stand up to it, and also at the end of the day, it's just freaking dodgeball. Joey, I have this saying, mm-hmm. and you've heard me say it before, and you know it. 
if you suck, stop sucking and learn how not to suck. Mm-hmm. Dodgeball is like one of the initial sports or games that you play growing up that teaches you that. If you're the if you're the first kid that gets hit yeah. every single time, you know what that means? You suck. And you know what you need to do? Mm-hmm. You need to stop sucking. But and you need to learn how to catch the ball and put the guy out that's throwing it at you. Or you learn how to move quicker and dodge the See, ball is built in the but, name but, but, of the but game. Southernwood, Southernwood, Southernwood. My my dear friend Clay, yes. Joy Butler, a professor of curriculum and pedagogy at the University of British Columbia, has this to say about dodgeball. Oh, well, she's and your much whole smarter than I am. Theory. She says, quote, as we consider the potential of physical education. Wait, no, she might be trans. As we we consider the potential of physical education to empower students by engaging them in critical and democratic practices, we conclude that the hidden curriculum offered by Dodgeball is antithetical to this project, even when it reflects the choices of the strongest and most agile students. I hated this crap in college. I still hate it now. The point of education shouldn't be to engage students in... Critical and democratic practices. The goal of education should be to expose people to ideas and to history and how to engage with those ideas and that history. And, and do you realize, I mean, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an air-conditioned man. Born and raised on a dairy farm. I'm just the common guy out there. I went to college for a couple of years. I'm not stupid. Do you realize what this woman just said is antithetical to the democratic process? Do you can you get more democratic in process than dodgeball? <laughs> Not really, actually. Well, I mean, this is think their, about it. But this is the other problem. They're pie in the sky view of democracy. We're not. A majority's not forcing things down other the minorities. Oh, well, the majority of the best ass uh, athletes win. When you play a game of dodgeball, that is democracy 101, in my opinion. Yeah. But I'm just a dumb dirt farmer, so well, I don't know. I, hell, I had to go to trade school because I wasn't smart enough to go to real school. Don't you feel put upon? And, and, don't and, get me on that rant again. See, but that's what's so amazing. It's like, well, we're just trying to help you, poor pitiful clay. It's like, shove it up your ass. I'll figure it out. Don't get treat me with these kid gloves. Hey, I, I, I learned how to move better. Yeah. Playing wall ball, because them tennis balls hurt, dude. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, dodgeball wasn't that bad. I mean, that was just a big ball. It's it's amazing. It's amazing how we need freedom. We need competition. We do need compassion and inclusion to the best that we can, but without costing us freedom and recognizing that some people are better at other things than others. Yeah. And that's, anyhow, we're out of time, do we? We're out of time. Again.